0: I mean, me being a parent now, anything that we can do to get that kid up the door faster is always a win. So we figured that having the shoe that would functionally work for a toddler to be able to put on by themselves and the parent to be able to help them. Plus, like someone that needs a functional shoe, like myself, um, we could blend both of those worlds. But you also have all these other customers that are writing pages. And what they're doing is they're telling about their own personal story and how this shoe somehow opened up this opportunity to their family or their child or themselves that they hadn't happened had never had before we've had much more success through google ads or like through bing ads or something like that because someone's going to search engines specifically they have a they have a challenge they're looking for an answer and then you're there to provide the solution whereas the other ones are more like
1: window shopping so, on today's episode, after I recorded this episode, I cried. It's a setback story that led to this founder creating a D2C brand of meaning. It's actually an Omni channel brand of meaning. It's a
2: great episode you do not want to miss, so do stay tuned. Retail and e commerce have witnessed an unprecedented transformation, transformation. in the last decade. On this podcast, you'll get the scoop on customer acquisition and retention strategies employed by high-growth digital native product brands. Not being afraid to spend because you know that customer is going to pay it back uh, three or fourfold. That's when you start to unlock channels in the way that they were meant to. And Listen to interviews with experts, experts at the forefront of technology and, and innovation, innovation in digital retail. Three years ago, they wouldn't have come to us because, yeah, the macro trend of cloud, Wi-Fi, broadband, availability, that was a real, that was a real problem. Hear first-hand stories from founders of innovative direct-to-consumer brands. Although I was thinking about the competition, I was more thinking about, like, how do I just build a freaking successful business? We focus on driving as much traffic as possible converting that traffic uh, and then dumping money back into driving more traffic these insights will help you consistently 2x growth in specific areas of your direct-to-consumer brand this is the 2x e-commerce podcast hosted by kumlai campbell
1: As you continue to grow your e-commerce business, access to growth capital would increasingly play a significant role in achieving and surpassing your financial and social goals. Why should you give up equity or pay high interest rates to grow your business? There is a new way to access growth capital that transforms e-commerce businesses. Wayflyer has shaken the way e-commerce operators access working capital. With a dedication to only D2C ce commerce businesses, wayflyer will fund you on a fairer fund as you grow model meaning if your sales slow down so does the amount you transfer back there's just a simple fee and the funds you need to grow are deposited to your account instantly it's worth checking out on wayflyer.com that's w-a-y-f-l-y-e-r Hi, 2Xers. Welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast show. I'm your host, Kunle Campbell. The 2X e-commerce podcast is dedicated to digital commerce insights for retail and e-commerce teams. So each week on this podcast, we interview either a commerce expert, a founder of a digital native consumer brand, or a representative from a best in class commerce software as a service company. We give them a very tight remit to give you ideas that you can test right away on your brand so you can improve commerce growth metrics such as your conversions, average order value, repeat customers, your audience size, and ultimately your gross merchant value or sales. We are here to help you sell more sustainably. On today's episode, I um, interviewed Billy Price. He's the co-founder of Billy Footwear. It's a shoewear company that started after Billy suffered a spinal cord injury injury as a teenager this one made me cry as in literally made me cry when i heard his story um and his resilience i actually cried and what he's been able to achieve i i cried after this episode you know um it was a very very deeply emotional one for sure um a bit about billy again um he is the the currently um employing over 20 full-time employees Um, he started out with a prototype to fulfill his personal needs, obviously, given the fact that, um, he had, you know, mobility issues, putting on a pair of shoes was very, very tough for him. And he scaled that out and, um, he has been featured in stores. So you can get Billy shoes from Nordstrom, Zappos and you know um, and, and other stores, other retail outlets. So they're an omni channel you know, brand in in that sense. Um, they're also going to be featured in the upcoming Ghostbusters movie. Um, and it's it's really become a brand in the chronic illness space um billy also has an bsc and mechanical engineer bachelor's of science in 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 in, uh, mechanical engineering at the university of washington so having had that accident which he lost mobility in in university in college as you say in the united states he still went back um to, to to study you know, and, and that, you know, in itself was is very powerful. Within five years of starting Billy, um, you know, Billy Footwear, where he's he's been on Nordstrom and, and Zappos, he also talked about um and, and also Amazon. So um what you're gonna learn from this episode, well you're gonna learn how Billy built his DTC business, how he prototyped the power of partnerships you you because he he has a co-founder um you're going to listen to to how he's been able to get to stores um you know to to Nordstrom how he's been able to get to Zappos um and some given the fact that Zappos is an Amazon um you know company they they actually he he's on Amazon as a result of Zappos and he tells us exactly how you know he's he's been able to do it we talk about the future plans for Billy footwear um, and the, the most important thing here is the story, his story here. Um, we, we, we delve into a lot of, um, a, a, a lot of marketing tactics and operational tactics they've used to, to grow Billy over the years, but, but that story, um, should, should hopefully give you some inspiration to, 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 to get out there and, you know, absolutely kill it no matter what your circumstances are. Right. So, after this you're going to listen to our sponsors and right after that um, expect to, to 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 enjoy or listen to to this story have a good one The 2X e-commerce podcast is brought to you by Clavio, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging Whether you're launching your e-commerce business or taking your brand to the next level, Klaviyo gives you the tools to get growing faster. That is why it's trusted by over 50,000 e-commerce brands like Brooklinen, Nunn, and Chubbies. Build your contact list, send emails that pop, and create marketing moments that build valuable customer relationships over any distance. Get started for free today. Visit Clavio.com forward slash 2x to create your free account. That is com forward slash 2x. Hey, Billy, welcome to the 2x e-commerce podcast.
0: Oh, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Terrific, terrific, really excited and looking forward to this conversation because you have a quite a an impactful backstory. Um, before we jump into your backstory though, Billy, um, I'd like you to just give a, a brief overview about, um, you know, B- Billy Footwear, you know, what you do, what you bring to market, and then we'll, we'll jump right into your backstory.
0: Sure, great. Uh, so I'm, Bill, I'm Billy Price, co-founder of Billy Footwear. We are a shoe company based out of Seattle, Washington, in the United States. And uh, the premise of our shoes, uh, we have zippers in shoes. Now having zippers in a shoes isn't necessarily original, but the way we do it, it is pretty original where it goes on the outside of the shoe and around the toe, so the whole upper of the shoe is able to fold over and you're actually able to drop your foot in unobstructed. So the big question is why would one come up with a design like that? Well, me as a wheelchair user, um, I don't have very good hand dexterity nor, um, well, I struggle with shoving my foot into a shoe. So having a shoe like that that opens up, I can drop my foot in unobstructed. And then with the limited hand dexterity that I have, I can pull that zipper and close it up. So it really is a truly easy on, easy off solution for myself and a whole lot of other people too.
1: Okay, that's a lot to take in. <laughs> very, very clever. I would imagine that the zipper is just very... Um, easy to to pull through it it, is it is it like a normal zipper or is it like an easy pull zipper
0: it's a normal zipper it's a normal zipper i said the only difference is it's a a locking zipper so when the zipper's all the way up it uh you fold it back and it's locked into position so it doesn't roll down
1: interesting now the second point is um have you always been been on on a on a wheelchair
0: no no i was uh I had pretty much a whole life um, prior to being in a wheelchair. Um, I broke my neck when I was 18 years old. Um, I was a freshman at college and uh, I fell out of a three-story window. And when that happened, <laughs> I broke my neck and I broke my back. So it was a spinal cord injury in both locations. And uh, my life changed immediately.
1: That's, that's hard. Uh, that, that, that's a lot to take in. How, how long ago was this?
0: So this was—it's uh, coming up on 26 years. This October 9th. It'll be 26 years, and uh, mm-hmm. I myself—I think I'm 45 now. So it's been over mm-hmm. half of my lifetime uh, being in a wheelchair.
1: Sorry to hear about that. Um, but let's let's go back to your your childhood. Um, what kind of childhood? Where did you grow up in Seattle? What kind of childhood did you have? were you entrepreneurial? Did you try to solve problems?
0: So I grew up just out of, outside of Seattle about uh, 30 minutes west of here and uh, I was a very inquisitive um, fiercely independent kid. I uh, played lots of sports, went on lots of hikes, uh, mountain biking like kind of you name it in the sports category. Um, in terms of inquisitive though, my dad he had a shop he had a big wood shop uh, adjacent to the garage with all the tools. And I was just I would, I mean, my gosh, I spent so much time in that shop just building, not only building things, but also taking a lot of stuff apart to kind of understand how things worked. And uh, that type of mentality, I'd say, um, stuck with me forever. And uh, because when I went into university, I went in pursuing a mechanical engineering degree, just really wanted to understand how things uh, how things worked. So that's always been, I'm a, that was my mindset growing up. Um, it was not an entrepreneurial type mindset. Uh, my family was very go to school, get good grades, um, get a good, st- or go to college, get a good degree, um, get out of college and then get a good job and then save, save, save and retire. So that was kind of the upbringing that I came up with. And uh, so entrepreneurship was very new to me. But once it was in my blood, I am thoroughly addicted and I will not give it up.
1: Mm. Mm. And then growing up, you had a friend. Um, his name was Darren. Um, do, do you want to sort of shed some more light on um, your relationship with him um, in childhood? He sure turns thing. out to be your co-founder.
0: Yep, sure thing. So Darren and I, uh, longtime friends, uh, rode the bus together going to school, went to elementary school, junior high, high school. We went to the same college, but we were studying different things. Um, you know, as it goes with longtime time friends, uh, You kind of stay in contact but you don't necessarily see each other all the time and uh, our paths kind of separated for a bit and he actually invited me over to his house in 2011 for a christmas party and uh, we hadn't seen each other for a while so we were kind of spitballing ideas and catching up and uh, in that moment he was telling me about what he was working on which uh, coincidentally was a shoe project he had challenged himself he'd always enjoyed shoes but didn't know how to put them together so he challenged himself to go out and take a class, learn how shoes get put together and um, how to get it made, really. And as he was telling me this, it just got me so excited because with me being in a wheelchair and going through rehab, there were so many things I used, couldn't or I used to be able to do that I could no longer do, but I figured out how to like come up with workarounds to make it work. But the one thing that always escaped me was shoes. So as Darren's telling me his shoe story, I threw an idea at him, I'm like, you know, Darren if we had a shoe with a zipper on the outside, it goes around the toe, I bet I could take back that independence. And uh, he was intrigued by it, so he made a drawing, made a prototype, and when he gifted it to me, that was the first time I put my shoes on in 18 years. And uh, Hmm. it was so special, we knew we had to share it. And Darren, Hmm. being the serial entrepreneur that he is, saw a much bigger picture that we could turn this into a business and just like that have the platform to be able to share it with the world and uh, it became a side hustle, and then we ran with it. Hmm.
1: We're gonna go go back to to that bit again. Um, So just going back to your childhood, you you ended up in college where? And and did Billy also, did did Darren also go to to college? And how did your, your path sort of split in the 90s?
0: So we both went to the University of Washington, which is a university here in Seattle, and, uh, you know, I, I, mean, it wasn't like our paths necessarily split. It was just more, we were just doing different things. I mean, Darren was studying business, um, business and entrepreneurship. I was studying mechanical engineering, um, we're, there's a grade, we're a year apart. So, um, the crowd he was running with the crowd I was running with were a little bit different. Um, I was living in a fraternity at the time. I think he was in a different house too. So, uh, we just hadn't seen each other in a while. And uh, mm-hmm. but every time we did connect um, here and there, we were always right back on the same page. But it was really that mm-hmm. that Christmas party invited me over. For, it just took on a whole different form, and uh,
1: really changed things.
0: It did, yeah. And then when we launched that business. The two of us became co-founders of what later became Billy Footwear.
1: Okay, just one more question back to the incident. You know, when when um, when you had the the life changing accident. What was the rest of college like, and what what did you then do um, between that time and um, the ideation of Billy Footwear with with Darren?
0: Yeah, great question. so i I broke my neck within two weeks of school. and uh, the next, from that moment, um, the next five and a half months, I was actually an inpatient um, at a hospital on campus trying to really figure things out, like figure out what wheelchairs and replace my legs, figure out how to feed myself, write my name, um, get dressed. I mean, just like all the basic stuff that I had really taken for granted up to that point. But uh, after getting out of the hospital, um, I moved home for a little bit, and then I actually actually moved back into the same fraternity that I was living in, uh, the same fraternity that I fell out of the window, um, going into fall quarter. And uh, I lived there for four years. And that's where I finished my mechanical engineering degree. I started mechanical engineering I had a two week dent in it. So decided to come back to school and get right back on the horse and give it a go. And uh, ended up graduating mechanical engineering. Um, Following college, I actually went and started working for the Federal Aviation Administration, which uh, here in the States is a government government job airplane business. Um, I really didn't have much to do with the airplanes. It was more air conditioning and project management for all the facilities on the ground, to make sure that like everyone inside those buildings or the equipment or whatever, can do its job and make sure that the flying public was safe. And uh, that job was a very stable job. And then uh, basically on the back three years, the back end of the um, uh, the last three years of me working there, that's when this side hustle Billy footwear began. So Darren and I work our day jobs, and then we work on shoes every evening and the weekends for three years. And then it finally gained enough traction to be able to uh, step away from our day jobs to do this full time. So it was a lot of just like regular work, day in, day out, um, travel here and there, buy a place, um, start driving, that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, the effort compounds for sure. Mm -hmm. And it gets to a certain point where you know, okay, we have something tangible to move with, which incredible story, incredible story. So, how did you sell you, you you sold how many units to date how many how many pairs of shoes have you sold to date
0: right so it started with one i was the first customer and just this last summer we sold our one millionth shoe
1: okay so that's a lot That that's a lot and when did you start billy footwear
0: i would say i mean those conversations the conversation i had with darren was in a Uh, 2011, we started the business in 2012, but we really started getting serious in uh, 2015. And then we hit the shelves of major retailers in
1: 2017. 2017. Okay. So how did you sell your first 1,000 pairs? And given the fact that um, shoes are somewhat troublesome in the sense that I could have one skew, but, you know, 12 different variations what, what what was your approach to production and how did you sell your first 1000 how did you get attention and, and how did you you know get those first customers who, who, whom I think you know some of many of which will still be with you to, till today I'm very very curious
0: so the first thousand pairs was really difficult <laughs> we'll start there um the way we first started we did a Kickstarter campaign and uh, we did a Kickstarter campaign where we were promoting this new brand. Um, we went out through our own network, and then the network uh-huh. that they are part of our network was connected to. And we started with two kids shoes, uh, three women's shoes, or excuse me, two kids shoes, two men's shoes, and uh, three women's shoes. And um, we went to directly to a factory and ordered 4,200 pairs of shoes, which at that time was a tremendous amount. And uh, the way shoe production works it takes about six months to turn it around. So we, were, we already had to place the order for those shoes um, prior to us running the Kickstarter campaign. So the way the campaign was working was like, okay, we need to raise this money to make the shoes. But just the way the timing was working out, they were running parallel. And once the Kickstarter campaign closed, we received the shoes and we realized we had a huge problem that uh, of those 4,200 pairs of shoes that we bought, of them were bad. So just Hmm. like that, it was a huge, huge punch to the gut, both financial blow, because it cost a lot of money to make those shoes, but to a real psychological blow, because it's like, oh my gosh, we've got this great idea, but if we can't have a factory make them, how on earth are we gonna be able to move forward with this? And we couldn't, it was a real problem because the shoes, the quality was so bad, it wasn't just that we could, it wasn't like we could just give them away, because it was a representation of the brand. So the brand had to be a quality to nail it first go. So of those 4,200 pairs, 80% of them being bad, we probably were able to salvage maybe like 300 or so. And those 300 were the first ones that we sold. And it forced us to look in the mirror and say, what are we doing? Are we gonna move forward or are we gonna quit? And we opted to lean into this thing and move forward. So what we did was we found better manufacturing, we found better networking, um, got connected with, you know, stores, like actual retail stores that could tell the story, we could pitch it, and they get their feedback and get their input that we could incorporate directly into the design. So we found a, a new agent that could get us into a, a new factory over in China. And we told the story. We told where we came from. We told where we are. We're told where we're trying to go. And they could have very easily said, nope, not interested. But instead, they said, yes, we are interested. Uh, Their name was Topline. They helped us on our next manufacturing run, which was another 10,000 pairs of shoes, which was just in the kids' line. We were strategic about that because we knew that kids was the low-hanging fruit. Any parent, I mean, me being a parent now, anything that we can do to get that kid out the door faster is always a win. So we figured that having the shoe that would functionally work for a toddler to be able to put on by themselves and the parent to be able to help them, plus, like someone that needs a functional shoe, like myself, um, we could blend both of those worlds. So Mm. in August of 2017, we hit the shelves of here in the States, Zappos and Nordstrom, and we're able to get the credibility of their brand on our brand, um, and that's where we picked up the additional 1,000 customers. So the first 1,000 shoes were spanned over about a couple of years.
1: Okay, so which which is a slow burn yeah. to an eventual sort of um, launch. Um, so, was was Nordstrom um, was it, was it bricks and mortar? Was it was it their website? What, what was the deal like?
0: So Zappos is one hundred percent e-commerce. Nordstrom was a blend. Nordstrom was e-commerce, and then we were in five of their stores here in the um, kind of in the Seattle area.
1: Okay. Makes sense. And what was the feedback loop? Um, so, what um, what did the the Nordstrom buying team, um, you know, get, tell you, um, or the Zappos buying team tell you that kept you going and uh, you know um, definitely reassured um, you that you 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 guys were going on, on, on the right path?
0: Well, one big thing, one big feedback item we were getting early on was just the difference of the shoe, seeing that it was something new in the marketplace. No one had seen a zipper. I mean, having a zipper in a shoe, like people had seen that many, many times, but having a zipper completely go around the toe where you can actually open it up and see the inside of the shoe, nobody had ever seen that before. So all of a sudden it became this real conversation piece. But in addition to that, I know on the Nordstrom side, they would have customers come in that would need, like more of a functional shoe that was easy for their son or daughter or even themselves to put on. And all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. they had a shoe that really fit that bill. So they were able to all of a sudden serve a customer that they hadn't really been able to serve like this before. So that type of feedback would reach us. And one, it was super exciting. But also, um, you know, with that, it allowed us to kind of continue to critique our, or I guess tweak our design and then to be able to expand in dune colorways as well as new silhouettes
1: hmm. interesting and was was that um, nordstrom distribution deal expanded nationwide eventually
0: eventually yes yes so it was five we were in five nordstrom stores surrounding kind of the seattle area and then from there we expanded into 10 nordstrom stores which were kind of peppered all around the united states and then that 10 turned into 20 and uh I'm not sure how many we're in now, but I know it's more than 20.
1: Okay, 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 Um. Then, direct-to-consumer, when did you start to tap into the opportunity of um, direct-to-consumer commerce?
0: So, direct-to-consumer, that's a great thing to talk about, because when we first launched the brand, we just did wholesale, because we knew that we wanted to build up those channels to make sure that foundation was strong, for us to survive as a business. So we didn't actually launch our own e-commerce site until December of 2018. So essentially we almost mm-hmm. ran, we ran our, uh, just, we got the website, but customers would come to the website, come to BillyForward.com, and they'd be redirected to both Zappos and redirected to Nordstrom to actually make that sale to help boost their, mm-hmm. their channels. Mm.
1: What are uh, the, first principles or your secret source to wholesaling. So there's some listeners now, um, who are trying to figure out how to get into, um, you know, um, retail channels into brick and mortar channels. And there, there are obviously agencies out there that charge thousands of dollars per month, um, for, for, for that privilege. And there are no guarantees. So founders out there, you know, on their bootstraps, trying to get distribution deals for their great products, What give give us a a quick tutorial on how to get to brick and mortar stores for distribution and wholesale.
0: So much of our success in that channel has been based on uh, word of mouth and also relationship. So early on when it came to relationship, it was like looking at our network. Who do we know? And uh, I mean, everyone's got a network, and that within that network, you may not have the right person to get into those brick and mortar stores. But possibly someone within your network may know someone who knows somebody. So we just had a lot of conversation early on, where it's like, how, we asked the question, like, how do we get into Nordstrom? How do we get into Zappos? Who knows who? And uh, we would meet somebody, and they would introduce to somebody else. And it had to be like two, three, maybe even four, down the line until you finally got in front of the right person to tell the story. Now, it wasn't a guarantee that you would get in, but at least it was you were given the opportunity to tell your story and tell the bigger picture. And then it comes down to them saying yes or no. Word of mouth is also a very, very powerful thing. Um, it's more of a grassroots type movement. It's a slow burn. But what it does is it creates a very loyal and uh, just really strong foundation for the brand. So a lot, of, a lot of these little brick and mortar stores we're in now when it comes to retail, um, and I'm not talking the big box stores, I'm talking about just the independent stores. A lot of those stores are carrying our brand because their customer found out about our shoes. They go into those stores wearing the shoes and they ask the question, why don't you carry this brand? And oftentimes the store is like, well, I've never heard of the brand, I've never seen that before. And we so in this case, we've kind of empowered their customer To be able to tell their own personal story which then you know helps you get your brand into their store and then you're helping their customer too
1: Mm. and it loops back to a terrific product so if if there's utility in your product and it's you know delivering true value you you have a foot soldier of customers you know doing doing the work for you right exactly yeah let's take this quick break to hear from our sponsors The subscription market is predicted to grow to nearly 500 billion by 2025. As a fast-growing area in commerce, subscriptions hold tremendous opportunities to build a community of customers who share your values. Recharge is the leading subscription management solution, helping e-commerce merchants of all sizes launch and scale subscription offerings. Recharge powers the growth of over 15,000 subscription merchants and their communities, turning one-time transactions into long-term customer relationships. Whether you're a direct-to-consumer business or an omni-channel brand, subscriptions strengthen the brand relationships with your customers and make it easy for customers to make repeat purchases. With subscriptions, merchants are able to experience predictable revenue, increased customer loyalty, and higher average order values. Turn transactions into relationships and experience seamless subscription commerce with Recharge. Get started today with a subscription payment solution trusted by over 50 million subscribers worldwide by heading over to rechargepayments.com forward slash 2x that is rechargepayments.com forward slash 2x go to gorgeous.com that's g-o-r-g-i-a-s.com and mention 2x e-commerce podcast for two months free that is gorgeous.com for two months free just mention 2x e-commerce so with regards to um to to wholesale just going back to to the to, to to the wholesale distribution story um how has that panned now, you know, over time? Do you have like a, a dedicated, you know, manager or, um, you know, executive in, you know, in, in with you who manages those relationships? Or do you have multiple people, you know, um, or personnel managing, um, you know, the independents versus, um, you know, the, the targets or, 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 the, um, or the Zappos accounts?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. So we do have a number of people on our team that focus on different things. We have, an, we have an overall ops team that focus on the whole wholesale channel, um, all the orders coming in, being able to facilitate those orders to get those out. And that's like logistics maybe through our own web or through our own warehouse or our contract warehouse. Um, we also have managers of accounts depending on the size of the account. So key accounts like Target, Zappos, Nordstrom, Kohl's, DSW, all those stores that would be managed by one person, whereas the more the independent stores mm. are managed by a different team. So everyone's got their role. Okay.
1: Okay. And then absolutely. And then um online channels like, like Amazon, um, what what is what what what's the role of Amazon in in, in, in Billy Footwear? And um are you fulfilled by Amazon or are you um are, are you wholesaling to to amazon
0: so we are our relationship with amazon i think is kind of unique uh, we are on amazon but we actually don't work directly with amazon amazon owns zappos so we sell our shoes directly to zappos and then zappos facilitates getting it on
1: amazon that's incredible This is the first time i've heard you know about that um, relationship so it's a good question actually Oh, interesting. Okay, so um, from a channel breakdown, um, how w- what is the split? D2C, Amazon, and then um, Bricks and Water?
0: So the percentage between direct-to-consumer and wholesale, uh, that percentage has kind of varied um, through the years. Um, at the, when we first started, it was 100% wholesale because all it was was Nordstrom and Zappos. Then we launched our own e-commerce site, and then it probably swung to about 50-50. And both of those channels are kind of growing at the same pace. But now I would say our, um, our e commerce is probably closer to 40% at this point. And it's not to say that e commerce is not growing, e commerce is growing tremendously. It's just the wholesale side of the business. It's just so vast, that it's growing significantly faster, Mm -hmm. both domestic and international. So Right now I'd say the split is 40% direct to consumer, 60% wholesale. And I would imagine next year it would probably be closer to 30% direct to consumer, 70% wholesale.
1: Okay. So with regards to um to, to Amazon, um, would because it's through Zappos, I would think that is under the wholesale umbrella. That's correct. Yes. Okay. Makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Interesting. Um so what do what processes or systems do you have in place to listen to your customers to get in feedback? Um, have you set anything in place where you have conversations on a regular basis with customers to understand um you know their their feelings um and their their preferences?
0: Right. Well, listening to the customer is critical and crucial. And uh, so many of our design modifications and, uh, you know, evolution of the silhouettes we offer has been directly a result It's been a result directly from customer feedback. So we get a lot of feedback just through um, general customer service inquiries. I mean, people that reach out to us through email or post on social or offering up suggestions through Facebook or Instagram or something like that. Um, we also have every time um, an order is made um, on Billyfootwear.com, the customer has the opportunity to leave a review, and uh, within those reviews, uh, they have the opportunity to one tell about their experience, but also to offer up suggestions. So it's been absolutely, I mean, indescribable some of these some of these reviews that come in because you can have a customer that says, "Love the shoe, great, um, fits nice." Um, Something just short and sweet like that. But you also have all these other customers that are writing pages. And what they're doing is they're telling about Hmm. their own personal story and how this shoe somehow opened up this opportunity to their family or their child or themselves that they hadn't happened had never had before. And uh, I love reading those. I mean, they warm my heart through and through because I can relate to it. I had the same experience when I put these shoes on for the first time. All of a sudden, you're regaining this independence, mm-hmm. and you're uncorking this world that you thought was, you know, unattainable. So um, those types yeah. of posts and stuff um, are really great because they really, you know, they they reach a long ways. A lot of people hear about the brand because of those posts, but through those mm-hmm. posts, again, it generates that conversation to, uh, you know, think about new type of stuff.
1: It really is a story of independence, you know, um, the product in its, in itself, um, whether it's a toddler, you know, you know, trying to get out of the house or, you know, or, you know, someone who's wheelchair bound or, or has, um, you know, mobility issues or dexterity, you know, issues with, with, with their hands. Um, yeah. Yeah. And how do you tell these stories, you know, on, do you amplify some of these stories on, on social media? What's, what's been your, your audience and community building strategy um, thus far.
0: Well, that's always um, that's always evolving, um, as it is right now. When those stories come in, the review sits on our website um, underneath the product. But we've also had the opportunity to take those stories and you know repost them through our social channels to just illustrate, you know, so and so like Leslie over here had an amazing experience. Now, of course, we don't just go rogue on that. We ask first to get their permission. Um, But through that same vein, we've also been able to um, take the reviews that come into our own website and syndicate those with our retail partners. So even our retail partners are receiving those reviews too. So for example, like Kohl's, Kohl's were brand new in Kohl's. And uh, so the Kohl's customer may not necessarily know about the brand. So when you put the shoes up there on their site, there's no reviews on it. So, you know, a customer may be somewhat reluctant Mm -hmm to go out on a limb and buy this brand that's not been reviewed. Well, through syndication, it allows us to take that customer story that landed through billyfootwear.com and post it on Kohl's so that Kohl's customer then has his experience in their back pocket, knows that there's already been someone vouching for the brand. And then also a story about you know the shoe that really is more than a shoe at that point. And uh, it just helps connect with that customer directly.
1: Makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. How do you know what styles to put out there? Um, you know, shoes in itself is, is is such is is so obituary a concept. Um, where do you start from? Sneakers, boots, work shoes, dress shoes. You can't do hills, can you? You you probably can't do hills. But um, how how do you know what, what do you have a feedback back loop from like prior sales you know um you know sales sales data and even at that you know there might be some long there might just be some um, untapped opportunities you know that that outside of the outlier opportunities out there so so what's been your journey with regards to just selection to your customers?
0: Yeah, there's, there's a lot of factors that come into that. Uh, one, I guess first for definition purposes, uh, we we really break it into two categories. We have core and we have lifestyle. So core is more of a, an evergreen um, type silhouette that we just bring in all the time and we wouldn't be going out of. Lifestyle has a density to be more like a seasonal type deal where it's like we bring something in for spring, we bring something in for fall. It only really hits at certain times of the year. And also, just a big old flash of just that kind of vibrant color, and then it burns out, and then you move on to something else. So, how do we make those decisions? <laughs> um, well, first off, it's a matter of looking at what's trending. I mean, like fashion—you um, know, different colorways, like prints, for example. Leopard print was really popular. Um, you know, boat shoes kind of come and go. Um, you know, sharks and dinosaurs—I mean, those are really, those are always really popular with the kids. So you just kind of see what's happening in the marketplace in terms of like prints and colorways that, uh, you know, that are hitting. That's that's a starting point. Secondly, it's a matter of working directly with the buyers of these wholesale channels because we're not really interested in making something that the buyers are not going to buy. Um, mm. So that's really that's really critically important. But secondly, and then third, I'd say, is uh, listing the customer. I mean, the customer, I mean, they'll say uh, – They touch on, they don't necessarily touch on specific like colorways and stuff. They have a tendency to think about more, um, you know, on the design side of it. Maybe like, for example, Mm -hmm. when we first launched, we just had one width and we were getting a tremendous amount of feedback saying like, we need wider shoes. Or we needed to, for the customers that wear AFO braces, like the plastic braces on their feet, the comment Mm -hmm. was it'd be a lot easier if your inserts were removable. So us being a small, nimble brand... All we had to do was call up the factory and say, like, okay, well, the the insoles right now are glued down. Is it possible to make it so they're not glued down so they could be easier removable? And it was an easy change. Mm -hmm. Um, The other question is the laces. You know, the laces—they're not just for show; they're functional laces that came in from a customer going, like, it'd be great. Do you have laces to be able to get the fit right? And then you double knot it, then use the zipper. So these are all considerations that come in directly from, you know, feedback from the field
1: interesting interesting very 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 interesting what about your direct to consumer story um how did you make your first thousand yeah <laughs> orders get your first thousand direct to consumer orders on your website i think I, I believe you've been to shopify you've been running shopify from from the get-go right correct we have
0: yes yeah, so we've been okay. we've Shop- been running you shopify and uh A lot of those, the the attention of the brand came through social media, you know, getting out in front of audiences through both Facebook and Instagram. And it took a lot of work. I mean, it took a tremendous amount of work to go from zero followers to 500 followers. I mean, we're talking about a thousand sales. It's like, man, it it took a long time. I mean, oh my gosh, if you had one follower all of a sudden added, you're like, oh my gosh, what an amazing day. Or you'd be just so heartbroken if two people dropped you and you're like, oh no, what happened? Um, come to find out, there's just like you know, it just comes and goes and comes and goes. The one of the main ways that we built up that audience early on, again, really leaning on that word of mouth and uh, relationship, was we just had a ton of giveaways. We didn't have the money to do advertising, but we had product. So what we would do is we would do weekly giveaways. We did a giveaway every single week for two years. And uh, the criteria was: you had to one like the post, two you had to follow us, three you had to tag two of your friends, and then at the end of the week we would call, we would we would have a drawing. So essentially, it was just compounding week after week after week. And the hope was the friend would find out about it, or the two friends would find out about it, then they would follow, and then they would tag two new friends, then they would follow, and then just double, 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 double. double. And that's how we got to 500, and that's how we got to 1,000. And then it starts picking up a little bit. And uh, I just remember, I remember hitting 500. I remember hitting 1,000. I remember hitting 10,000. And the amount of time that it took to get there, as compared to going from 10,000 to 20,000, you know, it seemed like as soon as we hit 10,000, it really started going way, way, way faster.
1: I can imagine. I can imagine. And were you running any performance marketing ads on facebook at the time
0: not at that time um but we started doing facebook performance ads about a year ago and uh it was like leaning heavily on the data that we'd already accumulated from the organic search the organic search and just the um i don't know just 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 the the traffic from already you know frequent frequent visitors of the website and we were able to duplicate right, audiences right. to reach out to new audiences.
1: Yeah, so you had that organic proof of concept on there. You knew your customers and you used that data to find new customers, similar customers, look-alike customers. Correct, yes. And is it still working, it, performance?
0: It, it is still working. Um, in terms of like finding new audiences and getting the most return on your ad spend, we find that Google Ads um, outperforms Facebook um, by four times. And uh, we find that when it comes to social, it's a great way to get brand exposure. A lot of people like learn about the brand, but it's not necessarily the best means to have someone convert um, to sales. I will say that when we have a sale, and uh, we advertise on social that just blows up. I mean, that performs tremendously well. But in terms of actually on a day to day conversions, um, through social, it's not really the best channel. We've had much more success through Google ads or like through Bing ads or something like that. Because someone's going to those search engines specifically, they have a they have a challenge, they're looking for an answer, and then you're there to provide the solution. Whereas the other ones are okay. more like window shopping.
1: Okay, I'm going to probe you further on this one. No. So Google has makes money from search, makes money from YouTube, and um, makes money also from its 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 network. Th- these are like its top revenue channels: search, YouTube, and its um its, its advertising network. Which of Google's services is are you speaking to? Is it um the Google Shopping, which is part of search? Um, are you using keyword search, which is just text search? Um, or are you advertising on YouTube to find new customers and create awareness and conversions? How could you break down your your AdWords strategy? Sure.
0: Yeah, we're just using Google search. So Google search keywords, um, typing into the actual search term bar, and they pop that up. So we're looking for Mm -hmm. our position within um, the actual Google search itself. Now we actually Mm -hmm. use, we use Billy and Billy Footwear as negative search terms. So if one goes in there and types in Billy Footwear, what pops to the top is not going to be Billy Footwear um, as an ad. It would be Billy Footwear as organic, but because we have all of our retail partners, they're the ones that are using Billy and Billy Footwear as those search terms. They're the ones that's using Billy and Billy Footwear in the carousel, the shopping. So we don't want to be in direct competition with our retail partners we want them to succeed but we want to own we want to own the normal, number one spot in organic and we want to go after like prospecting those audiences that are unfamiliar with the brand that's our strategy mm-hmm. and
1: that's it's clever. working that's clever uh, that is really really clever so what kind of keywords adaptive shoes what, what do you what do you what kind of keywords do you adaptive footwear what what keywords do you target <clears throat>
0: those are powerful words for sure inclusive footwear, easy on easy off. Um, Even saying if you use word adaptive use the word AFO, SMO, um, ALS, I mean, just going off the words that our customers are using in their reviews. And uh, in addition to that, I mean, you know, shoot, I mean, the, the when those reviews are on our website, that helps our own searchability on our website because SEO picks up on that language. So we just use what the customer is using and then feed it back into Google, measure its performance, measure its quality score, and then uh, keep refining that list so it's nice and tight and clean.
1: Yeah. I interviewed the founder of um, a a minimalist um, footwear brand called Zero Shoes. And my conversation with him, as well as you, um, enables me to draw this parallel that... um, building a footwear brand is a long game. It takes a lot of persistence and it takes a lot of patience that eventually, um, you know, um, pays off in the long run. He has similar timelines with, with yourselves with regards to, um, time you sold your 1 million shoe, um, when you started the company and, you know, just, Getting in and using very clever guerrilla marketing, you know, strategy tips, um, you know, um, tips such as what you said with Google now to, you know, find those gaps and and penetrate the market. Very very interesting. Cool. Um, yeah. So so um, we've talked about social advertising. We've talked about um, about search. What other marketing? channels or, or, um, activities do you think gives Billy footwear an edge in the current market in the market you you operate in?
0: Well, one thing we do a lot is we do a lot of collaborations. So there's a lot of nonprofit organizations that have reached out. Um, one interested in like, they're doing fundraisers all the time and they're interested in some sort of donation. And we'd say, sure, but we'd also want to have, Like a donation like that is kind of like a one and done. We're looking at more of like Mm -hmm. a longer term relationship. So what we've done is we've been able to create these programs where um, we offer their organizations their ability to buy the shoes at discount. And each time um, one goes through that affiliate link that we provide them, there's actually a commission, which is that's the donation that goes back to the nonprofit. So these nonprofits, they're already buying the shoes anyways, because they're um, oftentimes that their, their customer or their organization are buying the shoes because of a functional need. So we're incentivizing that, that customer, that organization to get on their list to really get the product, but also it helps us provide a revenue stream for those nonprofits too. So it really, mm-hmm. that type of deal, it, it really leverages both the word-of-mouth side and the relationship. So it's the relationship within that organization, getting the word-of-mouth within that relationship, and then um, driving traffic to the site, which uh, always gains exposure for both parties.
1: And also give to a cause from the affiliates, you know, um, you know, commissions there, which is, which is brilliant and all about that. Great stuff, great stuff. If I was to randomly pick out... Uh, a loyal customer from Foot from um, from Billy Footwear. What three things would she or he say that um, embodies um, you know Billy Footwear?
0: Oh boy, that's such an awesome question, and uh, I, I can think of a number of families right now, and they've been just such so, such loyal customers with us since day one that have seen the brand grow you know, from its infancy, like when we are operating out of my parents' basement to where we are now. And uh, I think they would lead by saying the shoes are more than shoes, as in it, there was some sort of transformation that happened in their life, whether it be in themselves or they were able to provide something to their kids or they were to be empowered to be able to do something they have never been able to do before. That's one. I would also say that they would be really gravitated towards the overall mission, because so we as a company, you know, we are seeking to add value, we want to make a measurable difference in the world, one foot at a time. And that's really by trying to build these lifetime relationships. And I think the loyal customer would not only see that because we're already experiencing them that type of relationship with them directly. And I think I think lastly, would be, um, I think I used to be gravitated towards my own story. Just to, I mean, not to, and I say that not to say like, oh, look at me, I mean, it's just more, I, there was hardship in my, in my world. And I was, I was put at a crossroads early on when I broke my neck where I was asking questions, why me, or it's not worth living if you can't walk. And I was just in this crazy, total darkness. And I didn't know what would be, on, be beyond that. And uh, um, that type of moving forward, that type of like perseverance and tenacity and grit, that type of like turning the page and stepping into a new chapter. Those are all things that we've incorporated into the brand. And uh, Mm. I think a lot of people see that. And I think a lot of people are excited to not only, um, you know, to be a part of it, but also to share it. Mm.
1: It's powerful. It's powerful right there. Powerful. Okay. Um, I... I think we've we've really gone through a lot. Um, you guys are a ten million plus brand, right? Correct. Um, from a financial tech stock, uh, you know, stock standpoint, um, are you? Is it just you two that own it? You and Darren?
0: Uh, there's multiple owners. I mean, Darren and I have the lion's okay. share of the percentage, mm-hmm. but I'd say there's probably ten owners at this point.
1: Okay. So you have a, a board and you have equity. Are they silent investors or are they um, active investors? They're active. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Super, super interesting. Um, And what what do you think the next 10 years will, will look like um, for, 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 for Billy Footwear?
0: Well, if uh, today is any indication, we're doing everything we can to keep up. Uh, the business just keeps continually growing. And when I look down that timeline, and I'm asked the question, like, what, what do we want to have happen? Um, It's a matter of we want to grow, we want to grow and we want to become really big. And I say that not through the thought of wanting to be this really big business owner. I say that from the perspective of, you can't give what you don't have. And as a business that wants to give lots of value, and add lots of value to the world, we need to grow really big so we can add lots of value to the world. So I really look small forward small to, value. yeah, I look forward to growing.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Billy. Thank you. Before I let you go, though, before I let you go, we have these evergreen questions. I call it the lightning round. I'm going to ask you five, maybe six questions. If you could use a single sentence to answer them, each of them, you know, you're you're, you're you've passed it already. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Are you ready? I am. All right. Are you a morning person?
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. When I get up, but boy, I drag out of bed.
1: <laughs> Do you have a, a daily morning routine? Then
0: uh, I get in the morning and I have uh, a cup of tea and I uh, catch up on the emails that came through the day through the evening. And then I head into work.
1: Awesome. What two things can't you live without?
0: My wife and my kids.
1: All right. The things, two things, not people. Okay. What book are you currently reading or listening to?
0: Oh, boy. You know, the book I'm reading right now is actually Shoe Dog. It's the the story of uh, the, the Nike story. And uh, my wife yeah. has already read it, and she forced me to read it because there's so many pages within that book that uh, really our brand story can resonate with.
1: hmm Mm. Very, very good book. I have to say, Phil Knight's story. What are your three indispensable tools for managing your business, Billy Footwear?
0: Oh, boy. Well, I would say culture, like a strong culture, a fun culture for the employees. Two, um, empathy, knowing that right now everyone's in a grind and uh, realizing that we're all in this together. And then three would be motivation to promote and show what's on, like when we can see the light at the end of the tunnel and what that's going to look like when we get there.
1: Final question, what's been your best mistake to date? By that, I mean a setback that's given you the biggest feedback.
0: Oh, my gosh. Well, this is going to take more than quick a quick sentence. But uh, when we first started way, 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 way back when, And had that crazy epic fail where all of our product was, 80% of it was bad. That moment in time was a very defining moment. And we could have quit, but instead we moved forward. And it was a matter of finding better relationships and better factories. And that set us up for success to get us to where we are today.
1: Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Billy? Billy? It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the 2X e-commerce podcast show. For those who want to find out more about Billy Footwear, it's billyfootwear.com. That's dot rcom I'll be linking to it in the show notes wherever you're listening to this episode. I love his story for sure. Thank you.
2: Thank you.